you've got a Bible, if you want to look there, we're just going to look at two verses real quick. They're in Isaiah chapter 6, and they're probably verses that you've heard before. Isaiah's praying, this is at the beginning of the really great things that God calls Isaiah to do. And one day while he's praying as a prophet of God, he kind of has like a vision and he's transported to the throne room of God in heaven. And in the first verses of Isaiah 6, we get this just gorgeous description of these winged angel creatures who are flying around the throne of God and who are saying, holy, holy, holy. There's this key moment right after Isaiah realizes that he as a sinful human, does not belong in the presence of this holy God. And it's right after that, that verse 8 of Isaiah 6, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Trinity is here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when Isaiah actually gets into the heart of God and the presence of God, what God wants to know is who's going to go to those who are far from me? Who's going to go and tell those who don't know me? And I said, here am I, send me. My question for you today is, are you listening? Because you see, God is unchanging in his nature and he's constantly calling those who will take the time to listen to go and to show his heart and his love and his message of forgiveness to people who are far away to people who are needy to people who are hurting so so as we hear from some among us who went i want to challenge you with this you're not any different from the brothers and sisters who are up here. The only difference might be in our hearts. And sometimes God calls us to go to Prescott. Sometimes he calls us, like so many of you did, to, to support financially so that those could go. But my question is, are you listening? Have you ever had a phone call with tech support where it just seems like they're not listening? Uh, my story for this is the reason why I only buy Mac products now, and I'm not a snob about that, but we had a PC a few years ago, and it had a problem, so we called the tech support number. The thing was like six months old, and we get a person from another country who hardly knows English, which is not a bad thing, except that I only know English. And as I'm talking to the tech support person, I realize he's just reading through a list of canned answers. And I found myself saying, are you listening? Are you even listening to what I'm saying? Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe with medical help or with some other need that you have. And, you, and the, the people keep coming back with what they're trained to say. And you, you just say, are you even listening to me? And I wonder how often God feels that way about us. We're kind of trained to say certain Christian things and it's awesome that we gather together and open our Bibles. It's so important. But are we really listening to his heart? So I'm going to lead you in a really quick prayer and then I'm going to, we're going to start interviewing the team. But will you pray this with me to just say, God, I'm listening today. Will you pray that with me? Let's pray it now. Father, 
we are listening to you today. Lord, we set aside our agendas, our thoughts, our fears. Lord, I wonder, for the men and women in this room, if there was no financial limits in their life, if their job didn't hold them back at all, if they didn't have any relationship or family obligations, what is it that they would do for you if nothing was holding them back? And I pray, Lord, as we hear about what you've done through our brothers and sisters, that, that Holy Spirit, that you would shout into our hearts the big things that you have for each of us to do. And that, Lord, we would stop living within the limits of American dollars and careers and these things that we think limit us. And we're the ones who let them limit us. Lord, we want to get beyond all of that. We want to hear your voice. And we want to follow you anywhere. We want to serve you no matter the cost. So do that work in our hearts today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, with that heart, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Clovis. Clovis is our executive pastor here, if you haven't met him. Uh, he's our administrator. He keeps everything around here running because I am not very good at that, and he is gifted at that. So uh, Pastor Clovis led the team, and Pastor Clovis is going to start by just giving us an overview of what these ministries are, how they got there, and what our team was able to do. Pastor Clovis? Yeah, I just want to start off by saying first, just... What an awesome privilege it was to be a part of this team. Uh, this was an incredible team that God put together. Everybody here had just such a servant heart, willing to do whatever was asked of them. You know, wash clothes and cook food and do whatever it was needed. I mean, they did anything that was needed. And everybody used their gifts. You know, we just saw them functioning as a team and using their gifts and being used by God to make an impact on the uh, on the people there but we're the ones that got had most of the impact you know it was on us the, the change just how it impacted us to be there and be around uh the people there especially edward and barbara Watson. they uh that's the pastor and his wife who founded uh these ministries just incredible couple their heart what they've done how they've stepped out in faith uh, with very little resources but willing to do, you know, whatever God called them to do and meet the needs um, that they had there. And so it's kind of interesting to hear a little, a little bit about the story of how these ministries got started. You saw through the video just these different ministries. And uh, it's kind of interesting how all of that happened. Um, Edward and, and Barbara, you know, were, uh, they met actually in a, in a Bible college and then got married and then started Church on the Rock there in Kitwa. And then it came out that um, actually Barbara... Uh, had had an abortion uh, before they got married. And she started to really struggle um, with kind of a post-abortion uh, trauma. And she went through counseling and other things and, and worked through that. But one of the things that came out of that was a desire to try to help other women not experience that. And so that's why they started uh, the Silent Voices Crisis Pregnancy Center. They started that first. That was the first, besides the church, that was the first ministry uh, that they started. And so they started helping uh, women, you know, make the decision to uh, keep their baby. Well, um, you know, a lot of these women were young teenage mothers, many of whom who uh, their family had totally abandoned them 
rejected them, didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so they, they, had to, they needed to create the unwed mother's home to be able to provide a place for these, these women to be able to, to go and be able to be taken care of and then have, you know, have their babies. Well, then after they, some of them started having their babies, they weren't in a position to be able to take care of those babies. And so they had orphans on their hands. And that's what led to the creation of the orphanage was to start taking care of those children. And then they realized that some of these women were being, uh, some of the, the fathers of these children and the, and, 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 uh, the boyfriends of these women, um, you know, needed to be reached as well and needed to be discipled and needed, uh, you know, to be, uh, you know, helped grow in their faith. And so they, that's what led to the Nehemiah Boys Ranch trying to minister to those boys. And then some of the boys, even in the orphanage, got too old for the orphanage, and it was a place for those boys uh, to be able to go. So they started that. And then um, they still had the orphanage, you know, was going, and it's positioned really close to a very, very poor part of Kitwa. And they had children showing up and saying, you know, that they were orphaned and everything. So they started taking care of these children. And then they realized, they did some research, they realized these children really weren't orphaned. They were actually from that poor neighborhood, and they had realized that the children at the orphanage were getting fed and were being taken care of, and they weren't over in where they were living. And so they were coming just to be able to be in the orphanage to be taken care of. And so that caused them to want to start or need to start the feeding center that you saw. So they start the feeding center in the uh, very poor community, now feeding over 100, 150 children a day. And, um, and so uh, they uh, realized then that these children weren't in school. They weren't attending school. And uh, there, there wasn't a school close by, or they were so far behind, they weren't going to go. So they created a school there at the feeding center for these kids. And so that's why there's a school there now. And so they've been doing all this just on faith. You saw how they're trying to support themselves. They're growing crops. They have a store. They're doing all these things. They're trying to, you know, allow God to work through them and, and to be able to support these ministries. Um, but they are looking for, you know, someone to come alongside them and partner with them and help them. And there's a lot of needs, a lot of needs. And so uh, we're looking forward to the possibility of you know, partnering with them, you know, in the future. So anyway, just thank you again for your support. It was incredible, the opportunity we had to be there. Thanks, Clovis. You know, one of the reasons, so you guys know on background, one of the reasons for this trip, our missions team, by God's grace, as God has grown this church, you know, five years ago, we were about 40 people. And um, since then, he's added a lot to our number. And as he brings more people, he brings more resources. And so we've never stopped along the way setting aside 15% always for missions. Well, that 15% accumulated for a number of years there because, you know, the church budget grew by about five times its normal, the size that it was five years ago. And so that created a, a surplus in funds. So when Pastor Clovis came on, one of the first big administrative tasks I gave him is, Clovis, we need to really pray uh, and get the elders and the missions team. We have a missions team here of lay people praying, how does God want us to steward 
these resources because we don't want them sitting in the bank, but we also don't want to just be so anxious to get rid of them that we squander them. So one of the things that we and the missions team have been praying about is finding a region where we can partner. This would be in addition to continuing our support of the dozen or so missionaries we already have around the world. In addition to that, we are praying to find an orphanage with a church, a region where we can go back year after year. And Cornerstone families can start taking their kids with them. And, and, you know, my little Jack and Zoe can grow up and, and summer after summer see the same kids and catch God's heart for the nations as they grow up. Well, you can imagine we're all passionate about these different areas where we've done trips. And so as a team, the team's wrestling. Do, do we commit that we're going to really settle down in Cambodia? Or in Papua New Guinea, where we've got some incredible things going on. Uh, do we go maybe to Africa? So that's something you can be praying about with the missions team. But the heart in this, our heart, is that we could find that God would lead us to just the right orphanage, church, ministry, where we as a church family can just go all out. And maybe when it comes time for your kid's birthday, you can say, hey, you know, you could get this thing you want, or if you want, we could send that money and, and get a goat for the boys at the orphanage. Which, which would you like to do? Give our kids opportunity to catch the heart of God. So that's our heart here. Uh, one of the things I found when I researched a book that I wrote last year called The Great Evangelical Recession is that we are the wealthiest church in world history. We hold the United States, the North American church, holds 80% of the wealth of the worldwide church. But we are less than 20% of the worldwide church. We have been given so much. And to assume that it's all been given to us to use on ourselves just doesn't line up with God's word. We see all through the book of Acts, Paul saying, Hey, um, church at Corinth, the church over here is needy. Will you give to them? And we as believers in a globalized age, we can look and see there's Christians around the world who are so needy and we have such an abundance. So this is our heart in this. And one of our long-term crazy dreams it's pretty cool that right now 15% of everything that comes in goes out the door and goes out to help needy believers and missionaries. Wouldn't it be awesome if we're only 20% of the worldwide church, but we hold 80% of her wealth? Wouldn't it be cool someday if 80% went out the door? So these are the things we're dreaming about. This is our heart. And I want to encourage you now because we're going to start to hear from some of our young people. And I want to encourage you, you, you do hear a lot these days that many young people who grew up in evangelical churches are walking away from the faith. And nationally, that's a trend. Two out of three, nationally, that's a trend. At Cornerstone, by God's grace, that's been totally different. And one of the encouraging things is the one in three evangelical young people who stay, they're not lukewarm young people. Uh, these young believers, there's a generation coming up younger than me who are all out for God. And we're going to start to hear from some of them. And let's start with Shelby Ray, who's one of our teens. Shelby, would you share your heart with us? Hi. So at the orphanage, there were these two um, little boy, or little boy and a little girl. The little girl's name was Given, and the little boy's name was Malaikai. And Given, um, she was, a, we would be at the VBS, and she would be across the way, and she would always be making faces at me and um, trying to play with me when I had other kids. She was always on top of me. And then little Malaikai, he would, whenever I would play with him, he would repeat everything I would say back to me. 
um, all the sounds. And he was just such a sweet little boy. Um, many of these kids are in the Global Fingerprints, which is the sponsorship program through Reach Global. Um, and we're trying to get all of the kids and the orphanage and it, in the Boys Ranch sponsored so that their um, food can be provided for and just so that the, we can help um, aid in the Sarah Rose Foundation just grow and um, flourish like Edward and Barbara would like. So if you guys have any questions about the Global Fingerprints, we'll be out in the back and you can talk to us about which kids are in the sponsorship program and um, which kids are still need sponsors. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Shelby Ray. That Global Fingerprints program is $35 a month, and for $35, you can get food to one of these children. One of the really awesome things about this trip is that we knew about that ministry, but now our people got to see those kids firsthand. So if you want to sponsor specifically one of the children who you saw on screen from these orphanages, what you can do is that hi there card in your program, just write sponsor on it, child sponsor. Drop that in the offering at the end of the service and we'll help you get plugged in. And uh, if this is the place that God leads us to minister to year after year, then maybe next year you can go and, and meet that child. So next up, Jake, um, let's hear a little bit of your heart. Okay. Hey, guys. Um, there's a couple stories that come to mind when it comes to the trip. Uh, the first one, the first day we had in Zambia, we went and, and toured the orphanage and the uh, crisis pregnancy center. And um, so when we went to the orphanage, there are people on the team that are like magnets to kids, such as Lexi and Shelby Ray. And so they, they walk in and then all the kids just you know, sweep them away. Uh, I'm not a magnet, um, but <laughs> what was really cool, uh, we, were, we were walking around, and there's, there's this one child, his name was Winford. Um, he, for some reason, just walked up to me, started holding my hand, didn't really say much. He wasn't uh, a big talker. Uh, he was pretty quiet, but he just held my hand, and for the whole time, we just uh, walked around, and throughout the days, I saw him at church, and I saw him at the VBS, and the whole time, um, I always tried to connect with him and just be with him. And that just had a really profound impact on me, just being chosen for that, for that one child to, to be there for. Um, I can't even explain the love of God that I felt and experienced just by being with that one child. Um, and uh, another story is when we went to the boys' ranch, um, they had asked if, well, it, it came out that I learned how to, that, that I played guitar and that I was on the worship team here. And they got really excited, and they brought out this really old, beat-up guitar. Um, and I was able to help kind of teach them um, some really basic chords. Uh, and it, it just really struck me that God has equipped each of us with a gift and talents. And they might seem insignificant, but they're not just meant to be spent on ourselves. And they have real weight to them, and they have a real responsibility that goes with them. And there are people around the world that need whatever each of us has. And I only just taught them a few chords, and um, I just felt so humbled that uh, I just got to experience that and pass on this um, skill to them uh, so that they can worship God in a new way and they can grow their own skills, and it's just incredible. And so I think each of us have that um, uh, that calling in us to pass pass on what we have to people that need to learn it. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. 
Uh, next up, Jenny is one of our sisters here. Jenny's a fourth grade teacher over at Trinity, and uh, she actually got her testimony on video while they were over there. So we're going to play that now. I've been on a lot of mission trips, and so in some ways I felt like I knew what to expect, but there's definitely every mission trip is different. So I don't know, I think just um, being here, seeing everything that Edward and Barbara do, um, how much they give of themselves, how much faith that they have has really challenged me and my faith um, with everything that God has blessed us with in the United States. Um, Sometimes it's hard to have that level of faith that they have. So I guess I just feel challenged to really step out and um, let God challenge me in my faith that I would be willing to do what he asks me or take a step that maybe doesn't seem practical or like, I don't know, just what requires faith. And I hope that I would be willing to make the kind of um, sacrifices and steps of faith that Edward and Barbara have. Amen. Thank you, Jenny, for sharing that. You know, it was really cool while we were talking at staff meeting recently, we were talking about some of the younger people who are on the trip, and we realized that at the same time these guys are on this trip, that um, Pastor Clovis's daughter, Sarah, who's a college student, is in the Congo. Um, one of our other elders, Harv Smith, his granddaughter, is in Egypt. One of our other elders, Frank Langford, his son Tyler's on a mission trip over the summer. And we started to realize, you know, God really is doing uh, just an awesome work in this generation of college students right now. And it's so exciting uh, that we get to cheer them on. And it's also challenging because I, you know, for me, it wasn't too long ago that I was there. It was about 10 years ago. And, um, and there's a freedom, you know, before you get into a career, before you have a savings account, before you have dependence, there's a freedom. And my heart for us who are a little bit further along is that we would just recover that freedom of, of heart before God, that, um, that our hearts don't grow on to the things of this world and the comforts of this world. So it's pretty cool that you're part of a church where the leadership has that heartbeat and at the very opposite end of the spectrum, our elder, elder, Stan Cedarleaf, who recently turned 40. <laughs> How now, Stan, recently? <laughs> Stan is 76. And uh, honestly, when I first heard that he wanted to go on this trip, I didn't know how I felt about it. But I'm so glad that he did because uh, he's leading by example that it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how much American stuff you've accumulated here that might hold you back humanly. If you really surrender to God, you can cut loose from all that and you can step out to follow him with whatever it is that he has planned for you. Maybe it's just really radically supporting this upcoming generation. Um, maybe it's when you leave behind your estate thinking... I've got an opportunity here to leave a kingdom impact. I'm going to leave my estate to Christian ministries that are going to really reach the lost instead of just leaving it all um, to my kids. There's different ways that God's going to call us that are radical. And for Stan, that was at age 76, going all the way over to Zambia. So Stan, would you share with us a little bit of your heart? Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, it's an interesting statement about being 76. When I accepted Christ as, as a teenager, uh, that's when my... E Life eternal started. 
And between there and eternity, 76 is somewhere back here. So it's really not that bad. Uh, at least the mind thinks that, but sometimes the body... Well, anyway, we won't get into that. Um, 15 hours on an airplane uh, going from JFK to um, Johannesburg uh, kind of tests that, but it worked out fine. Uh, <laughs> when this came up about going to Zambia, the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me. I, a number of years ago, I spent two years in Uganda, and I'd been on a number of other mission trips. And while the, I'd always wanted to go back, it just never happened. And then the nudging came, and uh, I said, uh, the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke and says, now's the time, why don't you tell him you'll go? And so I think that's the secret of this whole thing, is listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to direct where we're to go. As, as this whole thing put, was put together, I didn't go on these other mission trips as a classic missionary. Um, my profession was a professional photographer. I had been in photography for many, many years, and the other mission trips I had taken, I had done photography for different organizations. And it just so worked out so well that as I looked at how this team was being put together, there's two young ladies here, two, two teenagers, and, and a teacher who God knew that they were going to work with the children. We had two young men, our youth pastor and our youth leader, who were taking care of the, um, the young men over there and could really minister to them. And then and Clovis was going as our executive pastor. The, the skill, the, the, the gifts that he has been given to work with Edward and the other pastors there was just phenomenal. So I knew that this team was being put together by God. And what a blessing it was to know that um, I would be able to use my skills as a professional photographer, or my skills as a photographer, hadn't been using them for many, many years because I retired from the business uh, almost 30 years ago, but um, I had been doing these other things for the other missions. Now, as it happens, we are were to raise our support for the the mission part of our missions. What a witnessing tool I found that to be. I sent out letters to people who I knew, not only in our congregation, but also in the hobby that I'm in. I'm in a, the hobby of uh, model railroading. And I sent out, and I have customers all over the world in my, my little business, and I sent out letters to people that I was going on the Zambia trip. 21 people responded to financial support for me. Three of them were from within this congregation. Eighteen of them were with pe from people without the congregation. My business associates, other friends. These folks now went on the mailing list for the email list to get the blog, to get the emails that Clovis sent out. And what a fantastic witnessing tool that has been. I've gotten emails and phone calls back from these people saying, Thank you. Not, not so much for me, but thank you for letting us see what you guys had been doing and what, what a blessing it was for us. Anyway, it's such a blessing to be able to use the camera 
as a great communications tool. Um, I've been in many different countries, and all of all the time, the kids are just just like a magnet to this ca- to the camera, and you smile at them with a happy face, and you're happy with them, and you get right to them with the camera, and you very very quickly become friends. It, it's just a wonderful wonderful tool. Um, now, John, you mentioned um, about the what gifts might be here. Your gift might be sewing, it might be cooking, it might be a nurse, you might be a, de- a nanny, you may be a doctor, you may be a pastor or a teacher, but regardless of your age, God can use those gifts that he has given you to minister. And what a wonderful ministry it is. And even if you couldn't go, if you can't go, God has given, may have, God has given you the gift of giving. What a blessing it is to receive the availability to be able to go or the funds to be able to go. So I would encourage each one of us here this morning that if you're willing to listen to Holy Spirit and he prompts you to serve somewhere, don't let the thought of being too old or too anything keep you from obeying. If you do, you don't know what a blessing you might be missing. And I'll just close with this. As Pastor Dan preached a few weeks ago from Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, John. Amen. Thank you, Stan. Isn't that great to hear the heart of the chairman of the elder board of your church? You know, on on your Hi There card, one of the things the team realized while they were over there is that uh, for next year's trip in 2015, we could use a medical team. I know we've got doctors and dentists and nurses and PAs all in our body here. And if that's you and you think, yeah, I'd, I'd love to just explore going as part of the medical team for 2015, then on your Hi There card, write medical team 2015. We also in Prescott have a whole lot of construction people. And orphanages like this, ministries like this, need a whole lot of construction. Um, They need well pumps installed. They need walls rebuilt. They need roofs that don't leak. So if you want to go next year on the construction team, then on your Hi There card, write um, construction team 2015. The other incredible thing I want to encourage you about, just, just as Stan said, be thinking, what has God given you? Maybe it's a a specific skill like that. Um, Maybe it's a business skill that you can help um, these young entrepreneurs over there who are believers learn how to operate a small business successfully. Maybe what God's given you is availability that you you just you could go. You don't have um, a job that requires you to be there 55 weeks out of the year. Uh, maybe what God's given you is, like Stan mentioned, the resources to help other go- others go. But let's be praying about what he's given to each of us. And let's be living a come and see life. You know, when you look at Jesus in the Gospels, um, evangelism, we call it now, is going and sharing the good news. And the way it worked in the Gospels is people would be so impressed with Jesus that they'd say, you got to come see this. you got to come see this Jesus guy. 
And sometimes in our modern day evangelism, we kind of flip it upside down. And it's just, you got to believe this. Well, the belief part's important, but there's a fire that is to be in God's people. And, and Stan has modeled this with his railroad club, that now there's 18 of these people who aren't even believers, who now know they're, they're seeing Stan's fire. They're seeing the excitement and the peace and the purpose that he has. And part of going on a trip um, is that you can, the unbelievers around you, you can say, you got to come see, you know, you, you just got to see what God is doing. Come, we're going to have an update uh, at the place where I worship. You got to come see and live a life that's worth coming and seeing because you're actually really following Jesus. Um, Josh McClintock, our youth pastor, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. I didn't expect to be this emotional, so <laughs> we'll see if I can get through this, but um Jake and I had the privilege of going to the boys' ranch, and there was about 12 boys, ages probably seven. Uh, the youngest, his name was Moses, and he was about seven or eight, um, and up to 17 or so. And uh, it was just the highlight of the trip for me to be with these boys. And I met this man named Humphrey, who, if the next picture comes up, you'll see him. I think he's on the right. Uh, he's somewhere in there with his hands raised, I think. But um, Humphrey was one of the leaders at the boys' ranch, and he literally lived with these boys. And he, without even knowing it, I think, taught me the supreme value of the kingdom of heaven. And I shared this with the youth group on Wednesday. But, you know, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is sitting in a boat just off the shore of uh, the Sea of Galilee, and he's speaking to a crowd of people, and he's teaching them in parables about the kingdom of heaven. And he gets to, in verse 44, uh, telling this story about a man who stumbled across this buried treasure, and he opened it up, and he realized how valuable this was, so he runs back, sells everything that he has, purchases the land where that treasure was, and he did this in his joy. And the lesson that Jesus is really teaching in this is the supreme value of the kingdom, that it is worth far more than anything else uh, in this world. And I saw that lived out in this man, Humphrey, by the way he was discipling these kids, because he had a lot going for him. He was extremely intelligent, super sweet, the most joyous person I've met, I think, in my entire life. And he is choosing to give up the comforts that he could be indulging in, uh, a regular house, a family, to live in a run-down boys' ranch that doesn't have running water, has electricity on a good day, and he's joyous about doing this. And in the parable, you know, Jesus says that in his joy, he sold all that he had, and that's what Humphrey is doing. He is being a father figure to these kids who don't have fathers, and he's showing them what the Heavenly Father looks like. And it's unbelievable because he led devotions for us. He led worship for us. Some of the kids led devotions for us. The kid in the red that's jumping up, he wants to be a pastor, and he has potential for that. And Humphrey is choosing to invest in him because he sees the supreme value of the kingdom. And I found myself asking, you know, do I see the supreme value of the kingdom? Is the kingdom of heaven worth giving up the comforts here in America if God so called me to go to Africa or to somewhere else? 
And, you know, we have to remember that the kingdom of heaven doesn't start when we die. The kingdom of heaven is where the will of God is done. And the will of God is being done at Nehemiah's Boys Ranch because people like Humphrey are choosing to not waste their life and invest it in these boys who otherwise would be running on the streets um, and and really have no idea of who God is or his love for them. So uh, for me, that was the highlight. And if I could teleport myself back there, I would, I would go back in a heartbeat just because uh, of the work that's being done there. Um, but on a side note, I realized that there's work that needs to be done here in America, and we don't need to travel to Zambia or to anywhere else. I mean, God is calling us to do work here in Prescott as well. Um, just like Humphrey is doing work in his hometown, we can do that same work here in our hometown. So for me, that was just uh, such a blessing and such a highlight. Wow, thank you, Josh. It's awesome. It's almost like they have the gift of not having the distractions that we have of all these things that tell us that this world is home. And um, wow, thanks for sharing that. Well, Lexi, one of our our teens, um, we know you had a great time on the trip. We'd love to hear about it. Awesome. Um, Well, I think I saw the spirit work a lot um, at the feeding center. Um, it's a place where the kids can come to really learn both spiritually and um, they can also be fed a meal, um, which is so powerful because it brings in so many kids because they are hungry. I think it was really hard for us all walking in and kind of surprising to see um, devastation. Um, but really, there is no devastation. It is rich with spirit. And it was incredible how um, grace really overcomes hunger. And I was amazed to see the kids and their, their joyful, um, happy faces. And I miss every one of them. Um, I think it was incredible for me to see how humble all the servants were there. There were um, several women that got up early in the morning to cook the meal for the children. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> I don't want to get up early and cook. But... <laughs> um, but I started to help them a little bit and kind of get into it. And I realized, like, this is where Christ is at work in this kind of work. Um, I had a day where I decided I was going to wash dishes, which I do not even do at home here. So I was like, okay, let's try this. (laughs) And um, I got down, and it's just like this big bucket just full of, like, dirty water and a little bit of soap on the side, but, like, hundreds and hundreds of plates ready to be washed and I was like, let's start, and I began washing, and I was like, gosh, I never want to do this again, and I'm wet, and I'm, and I'm dirty and gross, and then like I kept washing, I started praying, and I watched the kids' faces um, just light up watching me try to wash these dishes in this hole, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I kept doing it, and I kept praying about it, and I was so filled with the Spirit, I don't think I've ever had a moment where I was more joyful to be part of Christ's kingdom. It was incredible how much joy I got out of washing hundreds of dishes. I was soaked from head to toe, and I was in this place where Christ was just filling up the air. And I am so happy to be able to share that with you guys, and I know that we can uh, fill the air with Christ again here in Prescott. You don't have to go to Zambia to have that amazing experience and joy that we experience there. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I sorry, yeah. (laughs) 
Well, we are going to close with a couple songs for you to really uh, cement this into your heart. Um, the enemy would just love for us all to be very moved here and to rush off to lunch and to kind of forget about this other than that was a really nice nostalgic time. We don't want to let that happen. We want the Spirit of God to move in us. That's why the worship team sang this song today, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. And the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, is symbolized as a fire. That's what we're praying when we sing that. So would you stand with me? I'll pray for us, and then the worship team's going to lead us. Father, we thank you for our sisters here and our brothers here. Lord, we pray that you would fan into flame the work that you are doing in their hearts. Lord, um, especially for these young people, we pray that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches would not choke out the good work that you are presently doing in them. And Father, uh, for all of us, we, we confess, we repent of any area where the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of its riches have choked out the supernatural things that you want to do through us. Lord, there is more joy washing dishes in your presence than there is being in Disneyland or Hawaii without you. And Father, we want to live like that man who found that treasure in that field. Will you give us faith that we would actually believe in what you tell us about the kingdom of heaven and that we would actually give and sell everything we have, our talents, our treasure, our relationships, our assets, all of it, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.